Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to provide representation for women of color in the environmental space, to highlight their stories, and to educate the masses about how to be more eco-friendly every day. From gardening to thrifting, minimalism to veganism, sustainable business owners to influencers, environmentalists to activists, we are all on a journey to taking better care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. I'm sure we all love watching movies or binging our favorite shows, but have you ever thought about how much waste is produced on a production set? After a production wraps, bulldozers plow through custom-made sets, leaving half-empty water bottles behind. Diesel generators power empty trailers, and tons of props go straight into dumpsters. Not to mention hazardous chemicals being dumped who knows where. The idea of sustainability is infiltrating nearly every industry, including the entertainment industry. But before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super easy to do with any Apple device. Just search for Sustainable Brown Girl Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and be sure to follow if you aren't already. Then scroll down past the recent episodes until you see the review area. I'm sure you want to leave a five-star review, so go ahead and do it. It really helps with getting more people to discover the show. Also, if you have a few dollars to spare, please consider becoming a Sustainable Brown Girl patron on Patreon. You'll get access to podcast episodes before they release. You can submit questions to upcoming guests and submit topic ideas. A link to the Patreon page is in the show notes. If you're not already, be sure to follow Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and use the hashtag Sustainable Brown Girl to be featured on the page. And if you don't know, I record video from almost all of our podcast interviews. So if you want to see the full video versions, head over to the Sustainable Brown Girl YouTube page and subscribe. Unfortunately, today, the video from this interview got corrupted, so I don't have that. But sometimes our guests will show something to the camera that you obviously can't see if you're just listening to the audio. So it's just so much fun to be able to see all of these Sustainable Brown Girls live. A link to the video is usually in the show notes. And in case you missed last week's episode, I want to remind you that we've started incorporating little pop quizzes into each episode. I know we have some consistent listeners, so this might be easy for you. Each week, I'll recap something that was covered in a past episode. It could be from last week or an episode from two months ago. And if you know the answer, simply DM at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram, and I'll give you a shout out in the stories, okay? So today's question comes from episode 48 with Shanae Jones of Ivy's Tea Co. What materials did she say most tea bags are made out of? This should be another easy one for you gals. And if you know the answer, send me a DM on Instagram and I'll give you a shout out. All right, now let's get into the discussion with today's featured sustainable brown girl, Jennifer Sandoval. She's the eco-supervisor for Earth Angel, a sustainable production service. 
Earth Angel works with TV and film production sets to develop sustainable practices that will reduce the environmental impact of the entertainment industry. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. Yes. So Earth Angel is more than just setting up recycling bins and setting up refill stations. So can you let us know exactly what Earth Angel does and um, and how you got involved in the industry? Yes, of course. So um, Earth Angel is um, based in New York, but um, they operate in all, you know, in many of the uh, filming hubs in North America, including now in Canada, they just opened an Earth Angel Canada subsidiary this year. Um, But what uh, Earth Angel is, it is a company that um, is hired by uh, mostly, you know, kind of larger um, film and television productions to help them, like you were saying, reduce their impacts. Um, so impacts, um, there are lots. <laughs> um, you don't always think of, you know, what are the, you know, environmental impacts of a film when you're when you're thinking about a film or you're talking about a film, you're mostly talking about what you're seeing on the screen. But mm-hmm. this really kind of goes behind the scenes and looks at how we are conducting, you know, our um, work um, on physical production. So what Earth Angel does is um, people hire uh, us to help them look at the processes and all the different departments and look at ways that we can reduce and, you know, not just the waste part of it, um, but also in um, sourcing more sustainably, as well as, you know, how we're doing our work and we be more efficient and um, also looking at ways that we use and burn fossil fuels and use energy. We're very much um, kind of a, a resource for the shows that, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if you've been on a film set, but it's like really mm-hmm. chaotic and people, yeah. you know, there's all the different departments and they all have their very specific job to do and they do an amazing job, but to try to kind of introduce these ways of doing it a little bit differently, maybe more efficiently or using different products, it can be very challenging because they've done for years, you know, what works, what works best for whatever effect or whatever lighting they, they need to have. So it's, it's kind of a newer sort of thing. I mean, you know, I know individuals have been doing it kind of, you know, on here and there, but as kind of a movement now, it seems like a lot of of the major studios are really taking the initiative and trying to get some component of sustainability on all across all their productions. Right. Yeah. I was wondering, um, are there some like production companies that are more leaning towards sustainability or is it more like on a whole the whole, I mean, probably not all of entertainment is, you know, really looking to go in that direction, but have you noticed like a shift overall? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've been in this, working in this space for about six years now. Um, And when I first started six years ago, like it was, it was not, it was, it was an extraordinary thing to have, you know, kind of environmental stewards on shows, but Mm -hmm. now it's like really frequent. And, and a lot of, um, like, for example, Disney, in, in terms of their features, they have instituted a policy where they have environmental stewards on all of their shows to oversee the sustainability efforts. And you're starting to see that a lot more um, of it becoming kind of a, 
um, a studio kind of policy now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, and, and not just, the, not, not just all, you know, the studios, but also like the main streaming services that are producing so much content right now. Um, they also are really embracing sustainable production as they're growing. Well, that's great to hear. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've been in the industry or, you know, within the sustainability side of it for six years, what made you want to go in that direction? I actually don't have um, a very extensive film background. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. work in film before I started working um, in this capacity as a consultant for for um, the film industry. But I've been very interested and um, involved in the sustainability, you know, world and movement and learning for many years. Well, before I started working in this space. I did a program at um, a sustainable business leadership program at a, at a business school here. And it, um, my capstone project was to work with a startup that's located. So I'm based in Vancouver. Um, that is, um, you know, located here in Vancouver, they manufacture and build their units here in Vancouver. And there are these kind of um, electric generators. So um, they're portable and they have wheels and they um, wanted to see and test if this was a product that could be used in the film industry, in the film production process to reduce the use of diesel generators um, on a set. Mm. So my project was to do market research. And that's how I kind of got introduced to the film industry here in Vancouver, which is, you know, a you know several billion dollar industry. It's, it's ton- tons of infrastructure here. And wonderful people working in the um, film industry um, with so much support from industry stakeholders and the film commission to try to be, you know, become a very green place to film. I see. I see. So, so your interest was more in sustainability rather than film first. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what is your, like, what's been your journey in sustainability? You know, what, what got you interested in, you know, environmentalism and caring about the planet? Well, like I said, it goes, (laughs) I'm really old. It goes back a long way. And so I would have to say, I just remember kind of a turning point for me um, was back in, you know, the late 1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, where I traveled with uh, my family to um, Bhopal in India. And um, my husband, who was doing, he's a, a specialist in environmental occupational lung disease and mm-hmm. looking at effects of exposures in the environment related to different kinds of lung disease. And so we went to Bhopal and um, there was a there's a clinic that is still there. It's called the Sambhavna Clinic that treats long term victims of the gas disaster that occurred there in 1984. Mm-hmm. So that was, um, you know, for for if for those of us that don't really remember um, that that was, you know, one of the worst industrial accidents in the history of the world where, um, you know, tons of of this um, pesticide was actually uh, leaking from a um, storage container and because of the wind and the way that, you know, everything was kind of, you know, lined up, the stars aligned to, to have this huge disaster, 
um, the uh, people of Bhopal, primarily the people that were living in poverty on the railroad tracks that surrounded this, this factory, were exposed to this deadly gas. And it was, you know, a time when, you know, thousands of people died there wow. that, you know, that same evening um, in 1984, it was December of 1984. Since then, many people and generations have suffered these long-term health effects. So women with gynecological problems, people born with birth defects and other, you know, resp uh, respiratory, you know, illnesses, that type of thing. So we went there and I actually was, um, my background is in, was in arts marketing and fundraising. And so I was trying to work with the clinic to help them raise money, to become more self-sufficient and just learning more and more about like the disaster and how this could happen. And, you know, how companies, internationals, multinational companies can go into these, you know, impoverished places and countries in the world and just wreak this incredible environmental and, you know, health like impacts on its people and its land and mm -hmm. not really suffer any consequences for it. Mm -hmm. You know, there, I mean, not that there were no consequences, but um, in, you know, if you really look at uh, what happened to the people of Bhopal and, and, you know, for generations following to this day still, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy. So I actually was like, how could this happen? This, I was outraged, you know? Yeah. So, um, I decided to try to learn more about like the laws around this. And so I was like, I am going to go to law school and I'm going to study this. Well, wow. <laughs> we get to law school and they don't like, it's not a thing. Like they don't really, I mean, you know, they have, I've studied extensively human rights laws and like court laws in an international context. But, um, you know, there really wasn't a lot of law school curriculum devoted to corporate social responsibility and these types mm -hmm. of operations in, you know, third world developing country. Right. Um, so I ended up doing kind of a interdisciplinary study. I just kind of made up my own programs then um, with the, the university's environmental studies program and did studies on risk management and also natural resources um, management and ended up teaching at the university following my, my law degree in, in sustainable development. Wow. Sustainable development. Yeah. So it was kind of this very weird thing. Um, but I've always been very involved in working with businesses and corporations on, you know, really examining their sustainability practices and governance and, you know, how it's so closely tied to business and which mm -hmm. led me to do the sustainable business leadership program here. Um, and yeah, and here I am. <laughs> so, wow. Pretty long story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's quite a journey. We talk a lot in, in this area about how climate justice and racial justice are, are intertwined. And then also too, you know, when I was looking at the Earth Angel website on the values page, I see that it's understood that racial justice and climate justice, you know, are connected. And so, you know, hearing your story about the um, disaster in India, you know, we always say that climate change is going to hit communities, you know, of color first and hardest. Anyway, <laughs> I kind of just want to shift shift back into 
into your role as eco supervisor. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah. That, that really provides a lot of insight into who you are. Tell us more, like what, what does your typical day as eco supervisor look like? Yeah, so my role with um, as an eco supervisor with Earth Angel is to really oversee and support all the productions that we're working on. So we have many productions throughout North America. And um, so it's basically a lot of just kind of um, communicating with our coordinators and our PAs on all the productions, making sure that they're on track to, you know, implement the sustainability strategies that we work out with all the different, um, you know, production teams. So it can vary, you know, like the work varies greatly depending on the size of the production, um, mm -hmm. where they are, you know, there's weather things to consider that make, you know, everything different. So it's basically working on strategy and um, trying to help the coordinators in all the different regions really carry out uh, the, the sustainability plans for the productions. I see. So mm -hmm. since you guys work, you know, all over the all over North America, have you noticed the trend when it comes to maybe where um, things are being filmed, whether it be in Vancouver or New York, LA or Atlanta? Are there different different reactions to the way in which, you know, people respond to Earth Angel and your practices? Yes, I say I would say there's more similarities and there are differences. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, as I was saying before, it's somewhat of a kind of a, a newer, completely voluntary thing to be, you know, yeah. trying to implement uh, more sustainable practices on production. So, um, you know, the way that the, like a typical production works is it's just chaos, you know, and, 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 and because it's kind of a short term thing, you know, so they, they, they sort of stream into into the location and they set everything up and then they shoot and then they break it all down and then they're gone so that's is the nature of it is kind of short term so it's difficult if you can imagine it's difficult to um implement you know kind of standardized ways of doing things um you know and even in terms of like waste management like how are we going to recycle how are we going to you know where how are we going to set up this infrastructure and given that, and also that all the productions are different, like some have, you know, some are really small um, and only on a stage, but others are, you know, many, many units all over the place with like hundreds of people in the, for, you know, in the background. So, you know, we're dealing with, you know, 100 to 600 people at a time and everybody uses, you know, creates waste and <laughs> uses energy and, and burns fuel. So we're just trying to like, we have to really customize everything we do. I think that's probably, you know, the biggest differences. Um, but but similarly, most productions are the same, right? Like they they all have kind of the same departments and mm -hmm. you know, they all are very, very strict with their budgets and their bottom line. So it's, you know, a lot of trying to do the best that we can. Absolutely. So when um, when Earth Angel is hired, is it coming from the production company or the actual production? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so um, like I was saying before, some some studios and streaming services, they are kind of mandating now 
that right okay all the productions they work with so sometimes they are it's a, it's an original production but other times there's a third party production company that is you know um is producing the show but for the most part you know it's it can be either like we get approached by producers but it, we also get approached by by studios as well okay i see so going back to your um previous role as as you know, looking at the different types of generators, what are some of the um, most damaging practices <laughs> that mm-hmm. happens on sets? Well, I can tell you. So we we basically we use tools to actually do carbon footprints for productions. So that's one of the nice. biggest things. Like um, the services that we offer is very comprehensive um, carbon assessment, um, which requires us to track data throughout the whole, you know, production. The three biggest impacts of any production are fuel, energy, and waste. You know, so that's where we try to focus our efforts. But if you look at any, if you look at a dashboard of carbon, you know, carbon assessments for any production, almost every time the biggest impact will be of greenhouse gas emissions will be um, from transportation. So the fuel that we burn. So Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if, if, if for any show, you know, we've got all the people that are having to get everywhere, transporting gear, transporting people, you know, moving sets around all over the place. And then on top of that, you know, flying people to, you know, usually cast and, you know, producers to those places and then putting them up in a hotel and then, you know, setting up a production office and a stage with huge lights and electricity. So, yeah, so the focus um, that we've kind of shifted are shifting towards is really looking way more closely at energy and fuel impacts. Where mm-hmm. waste is still a huge thing. I mean, you know, to I mean, we build like cities, <laughs> and then we tear them down, and then we throw them in the garbage. So you right. know, that is a whole other thing that like we have to address. But from a, like a carbon impact perspective, we really want to start looking at ways to reduce. Um, fossil fuel use and also, you know, exploring uh, clean energy alternatives. Mm-hmm. Wow. I can't imagine all of the waste that comes from, like you said, building whole cities and then just throwing them away. Does that just like go to the landfill typically? Well, I think again, you know, the, the, the practice of, of, of building sets has really evolved a lot. Um, okay. to, to a point now where like most productions, especially like big humongous productions, like, or TV mm-hmm. series that have been shooting for season after season, it's, it's very, you know, rare that they'll just throw everything in the garbage. Right. So okay. that's one of our biggest, um, you know, services that we provide is helping them to find homes for things when they are, you know, wrapping, um, their shows. So, you know, we try to get, you know, we got to tr- we what we try to do not always successfully is but you know is try to like talk about all these things like even before they start shooting right mm-hmm. so even before they start building a set like how can we use less materials how can we source secondhand materials you know there's a whole like kind of circular <laughs> thinking that we try to um you know we try to use for production for the most part i think what we're seeing now is a lot of production realizing that you know, this stuff still has value, 
right? Like, so right. if they don't, you know, lots of big, big shows and especially series, they'll have like a set sale and they'll just resell everything. But mm-hmm. that takes a ton of labor, ton of mm-hmm. time to do. And a lot of, you know, that's not in the budget. So they'll ask us to help them to divert it. So what we do is we, you know, we work with construction and when they break down their sets, we um, we'll take photos of it and then reach out to all the different, you know, Habitat for Humanity or other, you know, nonprofits that could use those materials. Right. Because, yeah, in the past, like, and, and I think it was, you know, before my time, really, I haven't seen a ton of waste in that way. But, you know, people that have been in the industry for years, it's like, you know, it's disgusting, like how mm-hmm. wasteful it is. Mm-hmm. And it's really upsetting to people. So, you know, the crew have been very instrumental in trying to find, you know, ways to do things differently. And honestly, we couldn't do what we do without, you know, engagement from everybody. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So um, what would the ideal zero waste production set look like? I would say so zero waste. um, you know, as close as we can get yeah, to it. Yeah, <laughs> really hard. Well, um, like I said, you know, it's it's so much of it is starting starting strongly in terms of mm-hmm. trying to source sustainably, right? So trying to re, um, you know use secondhand materials, use and you know design things like, for example, with like set building to design a set um, with deconstruction in mind. Right. So that will involve the art department. You know, it it involves a lot of people in the beginning um, to be able to really pull it off. And so what that would look like for a set would be like um, using, um, you know, uh, like screws instead of nails to make it easier to take things apart and using more standardized kind of walls and windows that we know other productions will like, you know, will use up. Um, because they're easier because they're more standard size size. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, sourcing like that from the beginning uh, with COVID presents a lot of different challenges because, you know, now we've kind of like, oh, you know, we got to go back to single use water bottles and single use everything and everything has to be wrapped in plastic because it's smart hygienic, you know, but the reality is that that's not really true. You know, so we're trying to present information as we get it, right? Like, like for shows that are defaulting back to single use water bottles for everybody, Mm -hmm. we present, um, there was a health uh, statement that was signed, I think Greenpeace posted it, but it was signed by like 200 virologists and, you know, health experts that said single use plastic water bottles are not necessarily more hygienic or safer than reusable water bottles. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, what we see now is like, everything's being disinfected. Like you touch it and they wipe it, you know, like, and everything gets wiped down between every single scene, you know, and what we are now seeing in, in, you know, in the science is that it's not so much, the transmission is not so much like contact based. It's more of a, it's, it's transmitted in in the air more. So, Instead of spending like thousand dollars and you know cleaner, that's probably bad for you that you're inhaling all that cleaner all the time, and you know mm-hmm. billions of rolls of paper towel. Like, let's spend that money on a better ventilation system. Yeah, so there's you know there's there's a lot of things like that that we can do to try to like reduce you know the waste as much as possible. Um, zero right. waste. That's 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 a tricky one, but um, yeah. 
Yeah, but we can get closer to it. We can definitely get closer to it. You know, we're still trying to, reusables are still the way to go, right? The number one mm-hmm. way to like reduce is really to just reduce, right? So if we have less, exactly. then we'll have to deal with less at the end. Yes, exactly. Right. And I mean, Earth Angel definitely is making some big, you know, progress. I was looking at the website and it says so far, this was probably as of 2021, Earth Angel has avoided 2.5 million plastic water bottles, diverted 10 million pounds of waste from landfills, donated 133,000 meals, saved 663 trees, reduced emissions by 21%, and saved clients $1.2 million. So that's huge. Like You guys are yeah. definitely doing great work. Well, thanks. I think a lot of that was probably done before I, you know, a lot of it, most of it was done before I got there. But yeah, they do a great yeah. job. And um, yeah. they're very, very, um, you know, meticulous about like tracking everything and trying to measure right. things like this. Um, just because I think, you know, if you actually know what the impact is, you have a way better chance of, you know, improving how you do something. So Definitely. Uh, yeah, so they're very, very good about uh, tracking information. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm sure, you know, it's helpful too to try to get um, production companies more on board to, you know, tell them that, hey, you're saving them money too, you know, not just saving the planet, but also, you know, saving the money. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a tough one, I have to say, you know, because yeah. um, with anything in sustainability, right, you're going to have an upfront cost and not everybody um, can really see, you know, the return. Plus, given that right. short sort of, you know, nature of the business, it's, it's a little bit tough. Um, but you know, there are, you know, real savings that you can see, like if you're switching from single use bottles to bulk water, like there's like, you can actually calculate that savings. Or if you're switching to EVs, um, from, you know, ice vehicles, you can calculate the fuel savings. So that's kind of what we're trying to do a lot more of now and, and, and be more meticulous about that. Because if you are able to show those kinds of savings, you have a lot better chance of of people, you know, signing out to the program. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great to be able to share those metrics for sure. I want to ask you some questions that came from the Sustainable Brown Girl community. Mm. And one question that I thought was really interesting is what are some tips for making a short film with a limited budget more eco-friendly? Yeah, that's um, a really good question. And um, like I was saying, you know, we mostly work with like kind of the bigger shows yeah. that can afford to pay Earth Angel to, to help them. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, but, you know, we've got so many amazing um, you know, independent filmmakers, student filmmakers that are making um, lower budgeted productions. And 100 percent, there's always something that you can do. Um, even if it's on a way smaller scale. So I worked with um, uh, a film a few years ago called a few years ago called Zero, and it was uh, by a local, written and directed by a local, and produced by a local um, film uh, filmmaker in Vancouver. Um, and uh, the the movie was about a zero waste serial killer. What? Yeah, I think about that. That was just, you know, and it was just such a like, I mean, you know, such a creative, creative approach and, and, you know, getting to know 
the filmmaker Alyssa Costello um, a little bit more and, and talking about it. You know, she really, when she wrote that, she really had kind of trying to highlight sustainability and zero waste from the beginning, from the, you know, the script, but the characters to the physical production, to the reporting, like they went, you know, and you can actually see YouTube videos of how they did all this. Um, um, yeah, the, the film's called Zero, but it was just, it was fun because, you know, some of the things that we dealt with, which we deal with on a huge scale with like a television um, series, you know, like for example, um, the art director called me and she said, okay, well, when the main character, well, you know, she's a serial killer, so she's like chopping up bodies. When she chops mm-hmm. up the bodies, you know, we don't want to use plastic because, <laughs> like, you know, like usually serial killers will just put plastic all over the room. So she's right. like, what kind of material could we use? So um, they ended up using like a washable canvas. Mm. And um, after they were done shooting, the art director actually took the canvas and she made them into these beautiful, like, um, you know, kind of these boards where you can like post things. Mm-hmm. And so she like reused material wow. and um, just just everything like that you know they used all um, you know those electric generators I was telling you about for for um, shooting um, they catered or they 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 had their caterer was like a zero waste caterer and she cooked all vegan meals in crock pots they used all reusable dishes um, you know that they washed mm-hmm. and you know, granted, this is pre-COVID, but, you know, it was, and it was a small, smaller, you know, 30, 40 people, I think, on the crew. And um, they used uh, bulk water, but they used tap water, you know, okay. which is amazing here and where we live. And so just all of that, like, savings um, and, you know, just the reusable items. I think they rented a van so that they kind of all carpooled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it ended up being like, basically they, we did the, the carbon assessment and then at the end they did have, you know, you're always going to have like some footprint, Mm -hmm. um, but then they bought offsets. So they were really like a carbon neutral production at the end. That's awesome. Yeah. And they did it pretty affordably. I think they got like a small grant from like a credit union here. Mm-hmm. Um, to work to to t- kind of showcase how they could do it sustainably, and they they did a great job. Yeah, it was wow. it was really fun to see them do it, and it's and it's a great, cool, fun film. Yeah, definitely. That sounds really cool. I have to check that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so there are ways to to be more mm-hmm. sustainable, even on a small scale. Yeah, and now another person asked. This is Camille. She wants to know, when will name tags, lanyards, and badges go away? Good one. I know. That's something that we literally ask every single time that mm-hmm. we are in production. Um, and interestingly, on several of the productions that I've been on recently, we haven't, we haven't used any badges. Huh. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know if that's, you know, just a thing, you know, here, but um, yeah, I do, I do think, you know, if you are going to be using badges and lanyards, like those are very reusable, you know, every time I go to a conference and we, I, I will bring my own, you know, just so I can mm-hmm. just, you know, don't have to get a new one. 
Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's a really good idea. And if we ever see that, you know, <laughs> on a show, um, that's one of the first things that we, you know, we'll try to change. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's smart. I didn't even think about that until Camille yeah. asked that question. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our last question is, how would you win over proper trash can usage from crew who just doesn't get it? Yeah, that is such a good, I mean, that is one of, like, it, it seems really kind of simple, um, but it's really not. You know, there's a mm-hmm. definite psychology to trash. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so what we do, so we try to encourage a three stream sorting system on all of our productions, because rather than, you know, versus like just a, what they call a single stream. So there's multiple stream and there's single stream, which is where they just throw everything in one thing and then just pretty much hope that it all gets sorted by the vendor. Yeah. You know? <laughs> because I mean, what what real the reality is that we can do this amazing job, you know, with compost and recycling and waste and be super careful about how we do it. But then when it's picked up, we have no idea what happens to it really. You know, that's why we're always trying to get records from the vendors that we work with. Like, can you tell us like, you know, you know, how much you, how much of the recycling there was and, and great companies like Keep It Green Recycling, which is a company here in Vancouver. Like I've seen them sorting. I know that they do it properly, you know? So there are ways um, to, to actually ensure that you're doing it, but you kind of have to go that extra step. Like I, I literally will go and like, see where they do it and, you know, and how they do it. What, what we, we literally have somebody like, so like an eco PA or whatever at the lunch service, like this goes there, this goes there, this goes there. And 99% of the people are like very grateful and will definitely, you know, put it where it's supposed to be and they learn and we have signage everywhere. And it's like, you know, we try to make it really obvious, but there are some people that just, I don't even know if it's that they don't care, but it's like, they're just not paying attention. Yeah. They just, you know, like, I'm like, it goes right here. And then they put it over there and I'm like, okay, you know, so I got to go get it and put it in here. But, you know, I think it's shifting. I do. I, I really think that people, the more, like, the more they see it and the more, like, they see the same bins, the same color bins, the same signs, it's like they just get conditioned and then they just end up knowing how to do it. And we've seen a, a real, you know, cultural change in, in that, I think, everywhere not just yeah. in Vancouver, like we do it like on all our productions everywhere. So I think, you know, people are starting to get more used to that. And, and we know that because if they don't have it, if they don't have the bins and everything's just going in the trash, people will complain. Crew oh, really? will complain. Like, yeah. And they'll be like, why don't we have, you know, we should have, you know, we did this on our last show. So yeah. So I think, I think we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it has been so amazing having you on here today. And I just want to give a shout out to the Earth Angel founder, Emily O'Brien, because, you know, she reached out to me first about coming on. And I I want to, you know, like acknowledge the like values that she set for her company, like with, you know, addressing climate justice and racial justice and really trying to, you know, find a, you know, make it inclusive for everybody. So with that being said, what does it mean to you to be a sustainable brown girl? Well, yeah. So I was thinking about that and um, 
you know, and particularly in the film industry, um, you know, I think there's been a lot of attention on, you know, kind of the gender inequality in this industry over the last few years, Me Too movement and, and you know, equal pay and that type of thing. Um, but also I see that there was, a, there has been a huge gap in like leadership positions, right? So like, um, um, I'm totally spacing her name, but the person that won the award for best director this year, she was a woman of color. And it was the first time that a woman of color had won best director mm-hmm. now, ever. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that was telling, but also I see, um, I've thought of our role cause I've done some work with like women in film and television. There's like different chapters in Canada, um, Vancouver and, you know, um, on the East coast and, um, you know, what we talk about is that the work in sustainability and really being leaders in sustainable and sustainable production um, is a huge opportunity for women and women of color to, um, you know, really be leaders. And um, I have to say, you know, a lot of the shows that I've worked with, um, they're producers, you know, their bosses are the women that are, you know, insisting on having these, um, you know, sustainable practices implemented on their shows. Wow. So you got the boss saying that like mm-hmm. you way better than to, you know, it's way easier to, you know, have everybody kind of come on board. But for me, I, you know, as, as um, the sustainable brown girl and doing this work, I, I feel really fortunate. Um, and I do feel like, you know, I am making a difference. You know, I, I think it's, it's great for, for other people of color to see, you know, that this is something that is really possible to do, even though, you know, it's, it's like I was saying, it's, it's kind of a brand new field, but, you know, I think there's so much opportunity. I've seen a lot of women, brown girls, you know, exceeding in these roles and um, doing an amazing job. So I know personally um, several and and it's wonderful to see. Yes, absolutely. And you were one of them. So I totally appreciate your work and your mission and everything that you're doing. So um, let us know where to find you and Earth Angel online. Um, yes. So, wow. That's, that's the hardest question you've asked me. Oh, I think it's, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I know where it, it's always bookmarked on mine, but I think it's, um, uh, earth angel sustainable productions. Earthangelsets.com. I think it's the same earth on angel Instagram sets. too. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. I know that on Instagram, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, earth angel sets. Yeah. Perfect. That's right. Yes. Thank you. No, it's okay. I mean, you know, you, you're already hired. No reason for you to go to the website. <laughs> like, I, like, it's like knowing your own phone number. It's like, well, I will call myself, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So thanks again so much for your time. It was amazing talking to you. Yeah. Really nice to, to meet you too. And congratulations on this wonderful show. I think um, this is, it's great. And I, um, I'm going to tune in more often now. Yes, please do. Thank you so much, Jennifer. If you want to keep the conversation going, follow us at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and Facebook. Check out the website at sustainablebrowngirl.com 
and send any questions, comments, or topic ideas to podcast at sustainablebrowngirl.com. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about your favorite episode. Donate to Patreon if you can, and be sure to watch the full video interview on YouTube. Until next time, let's continue to make better choices for the health of our bodies and the planet. Thanks for listening.